Hunter, I think today's episode is going to be really sweet. Do you know why? I'm guessing it has something to do with Valentine's Day. No, because we have Ben and our special guest, Jerry. So, Ben and Jerry uh, like the ice cream. Yay. <laughs> Welcome to the Altered Podcast. Join us each week as we honor God and the things that He does. Welcome to the Altered Podcast, where we honor God and the things that He does. See, if we had smooth jazz right there, that would have been a great intro. Yeah, but all the things that was considered smooth jazz from the website that we use did not sound We needed cool. a saxophone, just, you know, playing tunes for the Lord. Maybe if someone's listening and they could play saxophone really well or jazz music, they could just send us music that we could use. Bob Stamper, I'm pretty sure you play every instrument. We need you to do this. Well, Christy, I think, listens. Uh-huh. I don't know if Bob does. I know, but somebody can do it ladies and gentlemen we have ben hello ben hi buddy we have dina hello dina (laughs) (laughs) and we have jerry what's up pastor jerry hey how you doing i just died (laughs) (laughs) that's how this podcast is gonna go (laughs) get out hey you asked me to come on that's that's your fault i know mistaken (laughs) that's not that bad it's ben introduce our guest here for us so we today have jerry veach he is uh, youth pastor extraordinaire uh veteran of our armed forces thank you for your service um he is the man the myth and the legend loves jesus so we're glad to have you today buddy well thank you i'm happy to be here there you go so today we are talking about the value of kids, youth, young adult, college ministries. Um, that's why we have Jerry here because he is one of those people who loves Jesus and loves to impart knowledge. To um, he teaches kids, he teaches youth, he loves to do it. So he's going to help us out today as we walk through it. But first, Hello. before we do any of that, Hunter, what do we got to do now? Pray. No, but what I do want to say is that <laughs> no. no. Why would we not pray? <laughs> no because prayers. I got something first, and then we can pray. <laughs> the second thing is is that he serves on the elder team. Oh at, yeah, he does at Real Life Community Church. With he does. Ben and I. Oh yeah. So does the anybody have their prayer challenge coin? Oh, Jerry. Do you have yours? Because you're. <laughs> Come on, old man. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the saddest part about this is I gave you guys these <laughs> coins. You did, and I love mine and, so much. And I actually carried in my pocket every day to work in mm. my blue jeans. And See, this is why you should I wear real pants. Home, I, came, <laughs> I came home today and took a nap, uh, and I did not put the same pants back on. So they, were, so they were, it's on my dresser at the house, which uh, is well, very sad. So mm. it looks like I'm going to... You get a get to pray you I guess. get to this is <laughs> yeah. a get to yeah this is this is a wonderful I'm so happy wonderful for you yeah. jerry who is called to be a pastor here why don't you just uh lead us in prayer before we start i i would love to dear heavenly father we love you and we sanctify and we glorify your name um i just want to say thank you for this uh wonderful group of people who put together this podcast lord jesus to bring knowledge to you and your son jesus christ and uplift not only the word but 
maybe those who are a little downtrodden and struggling. So, Lord, I just pray that you bless our time together. I pray that regardless of what is said here today, that you just touch the hearts and minds who are listening. We love you and we sanctify and glorify your name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to honor God and the things that he has done this week by going around the table. I know Jerry doesn't listen to our show, so he's just here. <laughs> so we're going to go around the table here and we will say what we have, are thankful that God has done in our lives this week. And we'll start with Ben. Hmm. We'll give you a chance to think about what. <laughs> I'm good. I always done. got something good right. to say. <laughs> so for me, and this sounds um, uh, corny and self-serving. But for me, this week, it was the Bible reading plan. I've been reading Job. And um, I actually have been listening now to a sermon series talking about like it systematically walks through Job because I'm like, how would you ever preach through this book? And as I've been listening to it, man, like I'm only on chapter three at this point, but it's really good. Like he brings out so much good stuff, um, including the potential author of Job. And it's not who I thought it would have been. So maybe we can talk about that later. Um, but anyway... <laughs> Um, it, it was really good. And so I've just been walking through Job and, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what God's done for me this week is, is as I've been, um, reading through a book that is somewhat considered depressing, um, I've been faithful in it and it's really been, been a blessing. So there you go. Dina, what's God done for you? Uh, but before I start, I got, all I have to say is please don't share that with pastor Chris. Cause it's taken us like 15 million years <laughs> to get through the book of Matthew and Job is also really, really long. <laughs> Well, it is really long. And yes. I've enjoyed Matthew, but I'm ready to like, I don't know, try something else. <laughs> um, for me, so uh, I've just been trying to get ahead in the library and we're getting ready to start our blind date with a book and the kids because like back in December I was like I know that they're kind of excited about it but are they really excited about it or is it just kind of in my head and so I put out one of the posters for that it was coming soon and I have had so many kids get so excited about blind date with a book and I think that almost everyone that has checked out books this week has said to me I am so excited for blind date with a book I am so excited for blind date with a book and they're a little upset that um, with this upcoming snow that we might be getting next week that blind date with a book hasn't started yet because they want to um, to have their blind date with a book while that we're getting a snow day so they can read so my blind date with a book, they're all new books to our library. They're wrapped up with a heart on the outside that has the genre and three words that describe that book. If they read the entire book and, re and fill out this little ticket and book review, they get entered into a drawing. And at the end of February, I draw 10 names out and they get to invite two friends to come to the library on the Friday of um, Read Across America Week to have a snack and watch a movie. Huh. And so every book that they read from that blind date book bookshelf that I have, um, they get to, you know, they can enter multiple times as long as they read the entire book. All I heard from that was Dina prophesying about a snow day. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind a snow day. So, yeah. Well, I do think <clears throat> that I will piggyback off Ben that it's just throughout the Bible reading plan. I've super, I've really enjoyed going through the Bible, reading it every evening. Um, but, and I haven't made a video for Facebook this week. It'll be tomorrow. So I have, I'll just say it here first, I guess, is that 
What what it do, Job does not do is uh, answer the question of why righteous people suffer, um, but what it does do is that think for people today um, who are on the other side of the cross is that it so what suffering does do is points us to the return of Christ, and so that we always keep our eyes on God. <clears throat> Job definitely keeps his eyes on God, but just not in the way that you would expect him to. So it is definitely an interesting tell of the tape. So, What's a tape? A tape? <laughs> oh, gosh. Jerry, I'm not going to respond to that. <laughs> Jerry, what's your, what's your thing for the week? So I'm torn between... A sure. rock, a, a rock, a rock, and a good story. So, uh, so, because I have so many things to be thankful for on a regular basis, but uh, I'm going to go a little selfish, I think. And uh, <laughs> so, at work, uh, my job allows us to float holidays, hmm. and sometimes I take advantage of that. Sometimes I don't. So, New Year's Day, of course, was a holiday, and I took that day off. Nice. Um, but we started a new project at work, for which allows us to get overtime. So I then, the last week and this week, worked overtime so that when we start the new project, I can work that eight hours and, you know, make overtime and not have to work the weekend. Well, come to find out, I couldn't do that because I have a holiday. So I had eight extra hours. So my boss came to me yesterday and said, well, hey, you already worked this over. You're not going to get paid for that time. So... But I'd already put in my holiday that I, you know, didn't work. And he said, well, why don't you just go back and put that eight hours, you know, change that to a zero, put your regular hours in. So now I got an extra floating holiday that I technically took off, but instead, you know, worked out overtime throughout the week. So it's kind of like having a free day off that I could use now throughout the year whenever I kind of want to. So that was something that I'm super thankful for because church camp's coming up Mm -hmm. and... There are four holidays from the beginning of the year till camp, four days. Now, I'm going to be gone five days for camp, mm-hmm. so I have to take five days of vacation. Well, not if I have four floating holidays, and I only have to take one day. So, praise yeah. God, you know, he's looking out, and I only got to use one one day off and get to go all to camp, paid, and all that stuff. So, it allows me to be with the teenagers and get paid and, <laughs> and not have to waste my <laughs> vacation days, which my <laughs> wife and kids, I'm sure, will want to use somewhere else down the road so it's almost like it was and what a great guy to use those extra days to go um stay at a camp that probably isn't air conditioned too much and, and be with a bunch of smelly teenagers <clears throat> mm-hmm. who are running around screaming guys. eating weird cheeseburger things well in in, in their defense i do as the male counselor i do have to stay in a room with four to six uh young men who have just came into hygiene, so I I, I pick up what they're putting down. I mean, uh, I don't know, Hunter, if you've ever had to go as a youth. Uh, no, I did youth, not. Uh, counselor to camp. Perfect week to do it. Yeah, yeah. A perfect yeah. year to do it. Hunter, Hunter yeah. you should totally go. You should. You, should. Yeah. you guys supplement my income that I'm going to lose that week for taking off work. <laughs> I'll give you twenty dollars. You probably have one of the higher paying jobs here, Hunter. Oh, wow, y'all need to calm down. <laughs> Doesn't mean I don't have bills. <laughs> I also have two children. Eh, they can I'll, eat rice and beans. I'll week. just cook something for them that week. They'll be oh, fine. There you go. Look, I bet you if you talk to my wife 
sweet enough. We can have your wife and two daughters. They can stay at our house. You can shut down all the power, water, everything to your yeah. house, and then and they can and we'll cover food. And look, my wife you gets happy. Airbnb she gets a baby fix. Your house out that week, <laughs> and you'd be making money. Bam. You make money. Bam. <laughs> all these ideas are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what is not stupid? What's that? The word of God, huh. which we're about to get into. As you knife hand me, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> You're like, is it? That means, anyways, moving on. So, I'm going to ask a question. Ben, you put it in the plan like 30 seconds ago. I did. So, why is ministry to kids, youth, young adults, college students, why is all those things collectively important? Because it's important. Well, that's good. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's because, I mean, think about it. Jerry is going to quote this verse, so I can't quote it. So, instead, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to say, that God does amazing things through all of those ministries. Number one, you're starting them early in the way that they should um, like learn things and do things. And it's really hard. There's a verse. Jerry, tell us why this is really important because I'm not stealing your verse. I'm passing. Uh, I, I believe the, the verse he's trying to get me to go ahead and throw out there so he doesn't accidentally let it slip yes. is uh, Proverbs 22.6. And I, I'm sure most of you who are Bible goers have heard this probably in your study somewhere that um, which says train up a child in the way he should go even when he is old he will not depart from it there you go. now understand and I, I'm going to throw this disclaimer out there which I don't know if I probably should but I'm going to anyways that is from Proverbs which is not a promise mm-hmm. <laughs> so understand because uh, I've actually had that thrown Mm. Uh, thrown out before that it's a promise God said in Proverbs that if you train them up that means they're going to come back to Christ if they slip away or if they're not living the way you taught them once and they'll come back to the truth and that's understand a Proverbs (laughs) a proverb is not a promise Mm -hmm. All right, proverb is a the ability or the saying that is can be factually true or something that yeah, on most cases will happen. It's a book of wisdom. Yes, so yeah, so, yes, it's, so it's smart to do it and more often than not, it's going to happen, but not always. Yeah. Yeah. They would substitute the word proverb for like almost like philosophy in a sense. It's yeah. just the way of thinking. Uh, so, and the thing is that when you think of church, most people think of like 60 year old people who are dressed up in suits at church, right? That's not what I think. Or dresses or whatever. Like, you probably think of cats somehow. (laughs) Archer did have a lot of cats at one point. That was what they they still do. They still roam around outside. Used to have a bunch? Okay. I mean, it's not as many as there was before. That's true. They used to be everywhere. Uh, And so, but like, you think of that, but really the church is a body of all ages, you know, um, and. You ask a lot of the denominations who really don't think about kids or youth, and they die off, and you don't really hear the about kids them anymore. die. Eventually, uh, wow, they grow old and then they die. I mean, if we're reading Job, we must be morbid. <laughs> wow. Well, the the yeah, the older people die off, and they don't have a kids ministry or a youth or a college or young adult to really attract the younger people in. So their yeah. church dies off. Well, and you need all of those different ages so that you continually have like the kids who could become youth and then the youth who become young adult and the young adult who become middle age and then they'll have more kids and then there's just a really great cycle there. Right. And so it's just, and it's important because if not, you're going to have, if we don't teach 
the kids ministry and the youth and um, all these people, how church works and how the Bible is supposed to be read and uh, correct theology, then you're going to have a Christian Christianity that has bad theology in the future. So um, the, the future of Christianity is literally in the hands of the church and the providence of God. But we are there to train them up in the way that they should go by teaching them the word of God. So would it be safe to say the way you're explaining this, the importance of children's ministry, youth ministries, and young adults and college ministry is to train the new leaders of the church. Yeah, theoretically. Yeah, to bring them, I mean, to start them young, start teaching them the processes, the proper way to do things. The only thing that kind of makes me go, ooh, whenever I hear the word train is sometimes I think of those crazy, like, (laughs) (laughs) YouTube shows. It's like the cults. And that's not what we're talking about here today. Speak for yourself. (laughs) But, like, whenever I heard the word train, I just kind of, like, I don't know, like, I shook just a little bit. I was like, ugh, that's not... If someone mentor, didn't know, yes, mentor, mentor. sounds better because train just seems very like mm-hmm. I don't know. Lead them into mm-hmm. correctness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like when you think about it, it, it is uh, what Jerry's getting at is it's an investment. We are investing into the future of the church. We're investing into the future of them because what we're trying to do is we're trying to share with them the most important thing that we have ever found in our lives, which is Christ. And so we want them, obviously, to know Christ like we know Christ because he's the most important thing that we've ever found. And then on top of that, once they discover who Jesus is, we want them to have a solid basis of skills like Bible reading and, and prayer and all those things. Because Jesus says in Matthew 28 to go into all the world, um, and that includes our families, um, and to make disciples of all nations. And so what we want is we want to take those kids and we want them to be disciples of Jesus and a disciple is just one who follows his master. And so we follow Jesus. They follow Jesus. They don't follow us um, unless they're following us because we're following Christ and we're teaching them how to do so. But the whole idea is that we are helping these kids to follow Jesus when they're young so that, again, as the Bible says, when they're older, they won't depart from the faith, but instead they'll follow it and they'll help others to be disciples who will help others to be disciples who hopefully will one day change the world. Bless you, Hunter. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> 2 Timothy 3.14 is where my brain went when we brought up this topic. Dana, why don't you read what's on the plan there for us? You don't want to read all of chapter 3? Well, you didn't put it there. So. <laughs> well, I, I didn't paste that much because it would have been a lot. You yelled at me whenever I said it. No, you can start, Dina, start verse 1 for him. He was, like, <laughs> oh, so we he was adamant verse... that we wanted to read it all. Because I have a reason. It's only like 14 chapters. All right, well, y'all stop chapters. me. I mean, verses. verses. <laughs> yeah, it's 14 chapters. Y'all stop me when you want to, so with Ben, that'll you be know. three words in. All right. <laughs> All right, Second Timothy, starting verse three or chapter three, verse one. But understand this. Pause. No, I'm kidding. Keep going. <laughs> scared me a little bit. Everybody who's listening with earbuds and is like, ah. ah, they don't need their hearing. It's fine. But understand this: that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. So doesn't that look like 
May you be blessed and encouraged. <laughs> Doesn't that look like everything around you in the world today? Yep. Right? Go to Walmart for five minutes. <laughs> Go to Walmart for five minutes. Pastor Chris is amen in that right there. Um, just look around, right? You can see children disobeying their parents. You can see young people acting like morons. You can see um, older people being... We, we know just abrasive angry arrogant we can see all of it unholy and then just watch the news for a second and just sit in the seat that the world does not love good they say they do they, they say they love good but they're good as subjective not objective and we're going to get down here when uh, in verse 16 here in a minute why i think these first four or five um verses explain why the raising up of children um, and young people in the church is so important. Dina, keep going. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres, I don't know how to say those, opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You know, it's it's interesting that it says that in verse uh, 7, that they're always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Hmm. Um, what does that, what, like, anybody have an opinion as to what that means? It basically means that what they're learning is not truth. Yeah. It, they're, they're all basing everything off opinion or non-verifiable facts really yeah so because they're always trying to find not necessarily the right answer mm. as much as the easy answer yeah that's good that's good and and because of that they never find to the tr- the true knowledge of truth mm. i wonder if they're looking for my truth Oh, maybe. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My truth, not real truth. Yeah. That one. That one. Either that or not challenging themselves to dive in deeper, but keeping it like at that preschool level of knowledge. Mm. I'd want to say like what is Paul saying is of what well, meaning of the truth right here. And I would have to probably argue that it's Christ, right? And the gospel. Um, but they're always learning, and but nev- never able to arrive here. Right, and so it's just, and it's because it goes back up to the again the first three uh, verses here that these people are they're learning something. It's just they're going the opposite direction that they should be going in, mm-hmm. and, and what they're learning is not good. Yeah, it goes back to what you know, kind of back to what Ben's saying. It's my truth. It's my, yes. <laughs> it's my truth, and so it's subjective for me because yeah. it's yeah. all about me. Yeah, Jesus, life. Jesus yeah. can be your truth, right? But me not following him can be my truth. Yeah, yeah. you just accept yeah. that. Yeah, because if you really go back to all those things in the first couple of verses, there, those are all selfish things. Mm. Those are not. Those are not. I'm doing this because I love my brother. It's mm. doing this because I love myself, and I right. think I want to do these things for me. That right there. <laughs> Have you ever met somebody who? is devoted to learning, but it doesn't matter how much they learn. They, I hate to say it this way, but it's like they just get deeper and deeper down this weird rabbit hole that never is productive. It never, all the stuff that they learn never actually does anything good. They don't have the application for the things that they learned. That, and like they devote themselves to learning things that, I hate to say it this way, but are useless. Useless knowledge, man. Yeah, And I mean, useless knowledge can be- sometimes useless knowledge is great, okay? It can be fun. 
it can even enrich things at times, <laughs> but it can also just be useless. And so you spend your life in devotion of a pursuit of basically nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, on college campuses, sometimes it's like you get to know people who are academics and they don't want to actually learn a subject. They want to learn knowledge. They want to learn information. Like they just, they're not ever, they're not aiming at anything. So it's like, they're just shooting at everything. You know, I just want to say you just pierced my heart because I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about all the useless sports information that I know (laughs) that that really don't benefit me at all. At least it's one subject though. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I get you. The the topic that comes to my mind is a stupid, like astrology. um, And it's plagued the young people of today. Like Mm. that, like, the position of Mars will affect my mood this month. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, have you ever like everybody you talk to is like, "Hey, what's your sign?" Oh, did you read the horoscope thingy? That's like, "Oh, you're a Gemini, so you must be like, I don't even know." Like, it's just, you're just like, if you what? can just keep talking like that, keep going. <laughs> okay, so it makes me think of how people back in like the '90s were really into horoscopes. Yeah. So and yeah, people would thing. people would get the newspaper and they would be like, I don't read the horoscope. But then you would ask them a question about it and they would be like, oh, I'm supposed to do this this month or, you know, great things are coming to me. Hunter, a newspaper was this. It was it was a bunch <laughs> of paper all printed and it had the news on it. Not like a blog, but like an actual bunch of paper. Yeah, and there if were, you lived in like a bigger city, you had color on the front page. So yeah, there were like ads in there for like things you could shop at. It's not that. It's like an app on your iPad, but it was actual paper that came out. And there was and a, there was a kid called a paper boy, and he would take these folded up, rolled up newspapers, and he would throw them at your house for you. And, and you if you were for a successful household, the man would go out in his robe and slippers and go get it, and then like smoke his pipe and like go smoke his pipe at the table with his newspaper and drink coffee while his wife cooked eggs at the stove. That in does her sound like fancy ideal, dress. except I don't smoke a pipe or wear a robe <laughs> or any of the above. Um, well, but that's just, a little too much information for did you. Podcast. I was just laughing thinking of that classic like movie scene where the dad yeah. goes out and gets well, the newspaper. Speaking yeah. of just the news, I'm just saying US and UK strike Yemen today. Just bam, look at that newspaper. Strike on. what? Where? They bomb Yemen. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I thought you said that different. Yeah, dude. They're, the, they're the fighting the Houthis. Anyway, that's we, but, we digress. I'm just saying Newspaper on my tablet. I think that seems better, and nobody's talking about it. But see, but see, this was before the internet. Yes, there was a time before the internet. (laughs) Yes, there was. Yes, it was. Al Gore invented that. (laughs) (laughs) There was a time before the internet where we took rocks and we uh, chiseled the news into them and passed it on to our neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well... You remember Black Friday papers, by the way, just to before we derail this train? Yes. Man, weren't they awesome? Like, they had so many ads, and you were just, like, looking through them. Like, it was almost like Christmas, but different, because you were like, I'm going to buy that and that, and that's going to be awesome. So I remember because I'm a little bit older than you are, I remember that we never went window shopping. Mm-hmm. We just waited for the catalogs to get yeah. delivered to our house, Sears and all I love, yes. And, and I would turn to the toy section real fast yeah. and, and be like, I want that one, and I want that one, and I want that one. And I always had a big list. Always had a big list. Did you Never. dog ear the pages? Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to... And highlighted. Mm-hmm. And rip them out and put them... How do you... Oh, how do we... Dina, how do we grab the reins of this horse? <laughs> just, uh, so... so counterproductive question to go back on track now have you ever met somebody who learns so much theology but they're of no practical good Mm. Mm. yes and that's why this is also why are you staring down a hunter right now (laughs) (laughs) i didn't mean to but you were like hunter do you know 
I'm sorry. I was not trying to look at anyone in particular. I won't look at anyone in particular. Anyway, just close your eyes. But anyway, so that is a thing that I can't talk with my eyes closed. That's really weird. Um, but that is a thing that, that we have to be careful of. And I think that's going back to this subject. I think that's why kids ministry, youth ministry, all that is so important mm-hmm. is because we want kids to be able to, to be disciples and we want them to learn a good basis of information that leads them to practicality. It leads them to practicing their faith. Well, yes. And I do think that there is people out there who are more in love with theology than they are Jesus. Yeah. And mm. I think that's the point. Well, yeah. What are you, what are you, are we teaching our children and our youth and our young adults and our college people to, um, treasure Christ above all things. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. So if we, if we as church leaders set that precedent to do that, then it'll be, they can see that as an example. But the problem is, is that church leaders across America right now don't treasure Jesus at all. That's the, some, 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 well, and but we see it massively though. And we see it to this point where it's like some watered down version of Christ. And that's where we, that I think our church does a pretty good job at teaching people who, what Christ really did, the, the struggles of Christianity. I mean, um, you know, Chris talks about mental health from the pulpit and things like that, that we don't, you never would have heard 10 years ago. And so it's just really, it's really nice that we see, start seeing those things start to develop. Um, and right, well, there's tons of churches. Uh, the one right down the street, um, can't remember the name. I was listening to him. He just did a whole sermon on like mental health and, and um, <clears throat> the struggles of being a pastor and all these other things. I think it was Red House Baptist Church. I think it's what it was. Okay. But, um, here in Richmond, um, but then also talked about how, how it's tough to believe in Christ sometimes, and it's tough to be a Christian in the world today, and you know, and it's just the the realism that believing in Christ isn't easy, mm. and you don't always think that way. And churches will never tell children that. Mm-hmm. I mean, but so do you think it's important to tell kids that, that faith is difficult? I think it is. I think you guys set them with the. Um, correct standards like in in the right mindset mm-hmm. I, I think if you don't by the time they get to the high school level then they're going to be blindsided by it to an extent that they're almost going to question what they were taught because you didn't teach them enough or you didn't prepare them for those situations like and i look at what since i do deal with a lot of teenagers and and in student ministries the high school that I dealt with and you guys dealt with is completely different today. All the way back down to the middle school level, um, I've never heard so much drug use and things of those nature coming from a middle schooler, sixth, seventh grade. You know, like I didn't even experience that in high school. Of course, I did come from a backwater <laughs> small town. Yeah, it's see, been eight years since I've been out of high school. Oh, my Lord. Wow. I know. Man. Or you're going to have to get your handicapped parking pass. <laughs> I was sitting here before the podcast and I was sitting up. I was complaining to Jerry. I was like, my knees are hurting today. And my wrist hurts. It's cold. And I'm getting old. Wait, you're getting cold? Dina, listen. <laughs> to get back on track here. So, yes, I do remember. I remember the 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 people in high school who 
like did drugs yeah. and that kind of stuff. You know, I never remember it in middle school. Right. Um, but, but even in high school, it was a small demographic. Yeah, it was like, it wasn't and that, you know, where I graduated, I mean, I graduated from the highest, you know, when I graduated high school, it was the l- largest class that ever graduated at that time, which was mm-hmm. 360 people. But mm-hmm. there were only a handful of teenagers that were really, you'd be like, okay, they do drugs. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not talking about hard drugs. I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, they smoke a little weed every once <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and so it's. Stuff that we look down on that now they're getting ready to legalize and it's just going to be normal one day. Right, right. And so it's just crazy how it's evolved in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Dina, what do you think? You think it's important to teach kids and and all that stuff? The yes. hard truth about Christianity. So, yeah. what I think is really cool is like there's a couple of uh, children at the school that I work at, and you can tell that their parents have really poured into them, and all of the kids, for the most part, at our school look to them for guidance. And so, when they're having like issues or like. Um, they can't get in to go see the counselor. Sometimes they'll go talk to them and like the kids will come up and be like, and I have these like three like back rooms that we use for like media productions, like a green screen room and that sort of thing. And they'll be like, Hey, can I talk to so-and-so back here? And I can see through a window and stuff. So, um, and I'm like, yeah, sure. And so like one of them, um, her dad is a pastor. And so she snuck out some of his extra Bibles, uh, out of his office um she was like he wasn't using them and i was like oh my gosh you better make sure that like those aren't like some sort of special bible she goes no these are like i don't know just like little like i don't know pocket editions of bibles or whatever but anyway as she's been talking to these people she'll go home pray about it highlight in the bible like uh you know verses that stood out to her and then go give that to them for them to read wow that's awesome that is awesome Yeah, we are luck one day. Our kid will do that. And it'll be like my like hundred year old, you know, King James that I'm like super proud of. Like, no, you, you can't be mad about that. Oh no, I can't be. No, I'll just be like, yeah. well, it's, you know, here's, obviously the Lord had the design. Here's for the that. thing: there's obviously an age that you don't want to scare children away from the faith, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't want to be like, God is scary. Ah. <laughs> but, He's gonna kill you if you do like, wrong. Yeah. Like, okay, so like uh, my grandmother passed away <clears throat> on. Right, or was it on Lily's second birthday? Two days before. It was, yeah, two days before okay. Lily's second birthday. Um, and we decided not to take her to the funeral because, you know, she's two, right? And mm. you just don't want to have to, like, I don't have to, I'm not going to deal with those hard facts. But, she, you know, she's well, getting to the age now. We can start easing those kind of truths into her life. and um, So your grandmother no longer is at the farm. Yeah, she didn't run off to the farm. <laughs> She's not on a really I long vacation. Yeah. Like I didn't, yeah, stop. <laughs> Filters. So sorry, sorry, that's the youth pastor. Yeah, I apologize. My, the point of it is, is that we have to start, and I think you do this in the youth group. I mean, we ask tough questions. I derailed one of your youth services by asking tough questions. But it's just like, man, because reality is going to kick them in the teeth yeah and when when do we i always call it big church i still call it big church but Mm -hmm. do we let them sit in big church and then find out that reality (laughs) kicks them in the teeth Mm -hmm. because uh, there is more 12 year olds out there who go through harder things every day than i do today at 25 that's the truth and that you do at 55 ben um (laughs) well even in kindergarten they get hit with some big questions man i know like and they're like what what is this like yeah and it's and it is it's starting earlier and earlier you know like even now like 
they're talking about sexuality in kindergarten, which right. is crazy. Like, yeah, you and never which gender do you identify with? Yeah, yeah. and it's like, flip my <laughs> never mind. I'm not going to say that. But yeah, like yeah. my lid. Yeah, let's not do all that. Dina, keep reading, please. <laughs> we, Verse we, 10. we have a point. Yeah. <laughs> Hunter will eventually get to it. All right, starting in verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch. 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 I always get that one. Antioch. <laughs> and Iconium. And at Lystra. <laughs> I always have been do those because I'm like, I just am OCD that I don't want to mess those up. I um, probably just did, just FYI. It's okay. Which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go from will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So there we go. There is literally just what we described. We took 45 minutes to describe. Paul did it in two verses. Um, go Paul. Yeah, go Paul. <laughs> you can slice a little thing. Um, but we have to teach our people. I mean, we, adults sometimes live with their head in the sand um, that everything's going to be fine and we'll find Christ. Everything's going to be dandy. Um, nothing but cupcakes and unicorn. I call that the cupcakes and unicorn Jesus. And he's going to protect me without letting anything bad happen to me. And uh, But here, that we live a godly life in Christ, you will be persecuted. Right? Somehow, some way, something will happen to you because you are a follower of Christ. While evil people and imposters, while bad people, will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have uh, firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. So that's important. Parents have to live what they teach. Youth pastors have to live what they teach. Pastors have to live what they teach. Because if not, you you help deceive people because they, they have entrusted you. Now, sometimes we put too much trust in like our pastors and things like that, where they almost that they don't have any faults and that, that's a that's wrong altogether. But I I trust that Chris every every Sunday has has worked and slaved over the text and dealt with whatever inner, I want to say inner demon, but you know, whatever, you know what I mean? Conflict. Yeah. Inner, inner conflict, conflict that yeah, has, uh, that he has, has to work out through the text, right? You're doing that with, I'm sure with some type of Matthew 24, um, does it work out some truth? I've read Matthew 25 that I'm teaching and wet my eyes out. Cause I'm like, please God, let me have a lamp <laughs> that has oil in it. <laughs> Cause you have to work it out before you go tell people about, you know, this truth that you got to make sure that you have in your own life yep. and parents, you have to do the same thing. I'm, I cannot sit here and be a hypocrite for my kids and then expect them to go be perfect little Christians and expect them to thrive as Christians. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yep. So Dana, continue. Where was I at? You can just start at 14. Okay. Yeah, 14 but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Amen. So can I take just a little piece of 16 here and just go to what children's church, what youth ministries is not in the church? Sure. And, and I want to say this because I saw a training video a long, long time ago about uh, getting ready to teach in children's church, mm. teaching the youngins. And they started the video by saying what it children's church is not. And I've adapted that to what youth ministries is not. Mm. Okay. Or college ministries is not. It is not a daycare. It is not a babysitting service. Amen. So mom and dad can go sit. Neither is regular school, but that's just, that's, I had to throw that in yeah. there. So, so mom and dad can go sit and listen to the pastor and have 30, 45 minutes of no kids mm. or relaxation or whatever you want to call it. Right. And verse 16, I think speaks to that, that we're supposed to be pouring scripture, Right. That is for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. And I think that's important because a lot of what you might call, quote, unquote, successful ministries, for, for especially for children and teenagers, is all revolved around fun. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily <laughs> grounded in teaching. Mm -hmm. Te you know, reproof, corrections. It is not about that. It's not about bringing up righteousness. It's about how can we entertain these young ones <laughs> mm, yeah. for the next 30, 45 hour. Yep. And, and so I just wanted, I thought that would be a perfect place to throw that in there. Cause I think that's very important because as someone who, who has children who are now teenagers, but when they were younger, I get the, I get the uh, appeal of, Somebody else take them for 45 minutes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you need to understand that that's not the purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, because I think sometimes we get through now, and I've worked in uh, a churches in the past where it was take the youth ministry. I don't care what you do with them. Just keep them out of my hair. Mm -hmm. right. and, and I've actually worked in, you know, churches like that before, and it breaks my heart. To a point that the, the, the pastoral staff is just about keep these kids entertained and out of my hair. Yeah. And, and it breaks my heart because I, from a young age, was always called to youth ministries. Hmm. And I've been doing it through, since 2006. You know, here's 2023. I've been doing it for a long time, youth hmm. ministries. And so it breaks my heart as someone who is truly called to that. Hmm. And, and so... I just thought that would be a good place to throw that in there on that. Twenty twenty four, man. Oh, that's right. It is. <laughs> Look, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey good, thank hey. you. Thank you for so, the correction. Um, do you? Oh, sorry. Go on. I was just going to say too. I think that sometimes, a lot of times, parents will think that it's the Sunday school classes and the kids' church classes that's supposed to teach them everything that they mm. know oh, yeah. about Jesus. Yeah. But yeah. what they learn at home trumps is, everything. Yeah. yeah. Preach. So. In your youth, uh, and we did youth for a little bit together. No, I left you high and dry. <laughs> he ran like, away. Yeah. <laughs> um, your hair, Jerry, your, 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 and he your, quickly ran to the door and closed it. And your your it. hair is growing back nicely. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we didn't do much games at all whenever <laughs> I did it. You don't now, really, yeah. um, except for like a lock-in. Right. There, there are occasions for it, you know. But uh, what I like about Jerry's youth style, and it was <clears throat> something that I kind of changed when I did it, was that I just want I, I want them to be hungry for the text and then build our youth group not only on f- fun and games, now hopefully that we can have fun as well, but build it around the text and build it around them coming to learn about Jesus. Um, and I think that that's something that you have taken the idea of and you've done it so much better than I ever did. Um, because here, we I think that, I'm not saying we as a church, but I'm saying we just in general, need to do better on is making kids know from when I say kids from all the way from my children's age all the way to my age um, that scripture is God breathed every word in our Bibles is God breathed and it has a purpose right it's profitable yeah. for what for teaching right for reproof for, for correction yes it hurts and you can't pick out, you can't cherry pick what you don't like <laughs> yeah, out of here. Yeah. I mean, because that's the thing, man. You you guys do college ministry, and everybody wants the the gospel to be secret sensitive friendly, and that it can't hurt people's feelings, and that it can't do this and it can't do that. But hey, man, it says that God created men and women, and it says that marriage is between a man and a woman, and it says that you, yeah, you shouldn't be shacking up before you're married, and it says yeah, you shouldn't be doing drugs, and you should live holy lives. Like, yeah. It does say that. And, and you should love that. other people. Right. Yeah. And you should like other people. But yeah. I struggle with that. <laughs> uh, no, you said like, it doesn't say you got to like him. It says you got to love him. No, Understand? That's, okay, never mind. Because that's, that, that's two that. different things. Because <laughs> trust me, there are, look, I've been married for going on 20 years, all right? And my wife will attest to this. There are times we do not like each other, all right? Because I, I do dumb things. I'll be honest. I'm a man. I do dumb things. So there are times I know my wife doesn't like me, but she always loves me. <laughs> so understand the difference you know and and, and so it corrects us and it trains us in righteousness right Mm -hmm. and so what is how do we become righteous we i think galatians says by justification and believing in christ and so it tells us how it tells us how to follow christ and live like christ and um believe more in christ and so that that the man of god may be complete and equipped for every good work that's right so we take this and, and like again, I, like I think people just want to apply this to the to the big church crowd, but this really starts in the nursery, mm-hmm. yeah. And this starts with you know the the small kids like Lily and Alyssa's age, and then it goes to what we're doing the four through six, and we're teaching them. We're going through the Bible and we're teaching them the hard truths of the Bible and um, tell them how to apply it to their life, and then they go to youth group, and then they ask you questions sometimes they're dumb sometimes they're great and you can you can get through that and you can tell them hey whenever you go and you're in high school now that your friends may not believe this and there's a reason for this and the bible tells us why this is um and then when they go to college that hey you're going to have professors that are liberal Mm -hmm. and they're going to try to tell you that this bible is nothing but a you know bigotry and and full of contradictions god's not real yeah hate yeah and no educated um productive member society believes this garbage yeah that the bible's only for people who are weak and need a crutch yep right i mean and and but realistically it is the most proven thing that has ever (laughs) been put to the test yeah and 
they're just mad they can't disprove it. <laughs> it's funny the the archaeology professor or the the professors who look at archaeology are my favorite because they be like, "See, nobody's ever dug up Jericho." And then they dug up Jericho. Right. Yeah. And they're like, "Well, you can't prove that the walls just fell down on their own." And then they dug up all this stuff about how it looks like the walls literally just, just like fell crumbled. outward. Yeah, yeah they yeah, just like, fell like, down. Yeah. Yeah, they just outward. Didn't even know Jericho existed until they read the Bible. Yep. I mean, right. so and oh, well, you can't ever pro- you can never uh you can never prove that the Red Sea split. Well, now we found chariots and shields. Yeah. And all, all kinds all of stuff. That. The bottom There's of the no sea. way I would have gotten there. People yet. are like, Pilate never existed. There's no record of him. And the Romans kept records. And the other day, they dug up a stone that has Pilate's name on it. And I was like, yeah. Well, anyway. That, like, well, that all started like, I, so when I was growing up in the 80s, mm-hmm. yes, I said the 80s, huh. you know, 8-0. It happens. Uh, I was born in the 80s. <laughs> I was too, yeah. but the early, early ones, mm-hmm. you know, like the beginning. <laughs> 18 years later, <laughs> I was born. <laughs> so, but, you know, for the longest time, that was the fight was they didn't believe David was real. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't until the 90s that they actually found, you know, pillars that spoke of <laughs> the kingdom of David. Yeah. You know, like, so it's it's just, so I, I, I find your, your joy and mm-hmm. laughter and when they say... We've never found any proof, and then it's like, boop, can't be true. Go. It's like, oh, well, now we found it. Boop, here it is. Congratulations. Dana, any thoughts before I move on? No, am you, I supposed you're, to? No, you're just, you're sitting amongst three pastors that you'll never get a word in edgewise <laughs> if I don't give them the chance. We, we, we have I appreciate the gift it. Of well, whenever we, we have do. guests, I try to give them more opportunity and more time to talk, so. So, yeah, well, it's just Jerry. Um, <laughs> hey, he's a guest. So. And like you brought up earlier, Proverbs, you know, 22, train up a child in the way that, you know, he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Like you said, it's not a promise, but it is a general sense of wisdom. I train my dog not to run off and where it's fed, it will come back usually. I thought, <laughs> Sadly, I thought you wanted Bella to run off. Uh, yeah, and I trained it to come back for some reason, and now she comes back. <laughs> um, and, but... Genuinely, this happens. Like it's not a uh, it's not a hundred for a hundred case, but we can say, listen, this is a God. This is a word of wisdom, you know, and it's probably good that you should do this. And how do we train up a child? So I think, well, I think we've touched on a lot of it already. We have. But <laughs> just want to knock out what's in the text. So then, we <laughs> but I mean, I, first, I think it starts with a with a base of the Word of God. Yep. To know the truth, I think we got to start with the truth. So where do you start? What's the base? Genesis one. Well, no, yeah. <laughs> in the beginning, start in Genesis and read through. Uh, um, I think you first have to start if we're going to talk from a general standpoint. You got to talk that what God really is. God is love. You know what I'm saying? God, God loves you. God wants you to be, to be in a relationship with him. So you, you have to start there, you know, and you build from there. Then you get in back, go back to Genesis and you start reading on who God is. <laughs> you know, you talk about his sovereignty, his everlasting, his goodness, mm-hmm. his plan <laughs> from the beginning and all the good things mm-hmm. that go along with that. And you, and you have to build up, but I, I think it starts with that truth, mm-hmm. you know, the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then I think it goes from there to what Dina said, which is seeing it in action. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that is a mm-hmm. big thing. Yep. I think once you hear the truth, then you have to see the truth. Right. And, and I, and I agree with 
uh, Dina, that it, it is mom and dad. It is the pastors that are preaching it. It is, <laughs> you know, the people that we surround our children with, mm. honestly. Yeah. And, and I think those are the two staples. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I, once you get past there, I mean, you once you get into the study and you get into the spiritual disciplines of prayer and constant um, prayer and connection with God and all those things, I think those all come later on, but I think that's where you start. Mm-hmm. So ben, um, now most of this groundwork is laid before they get to you. Yes. Right. Um, but you have a, have a fundamental part to play um as what Jude would say, they hold on to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. As Christ holds on to them. Mm-hmm. So for people who are going to college and that college level, and then other, maybe other people out here who are in college ministries, mm-hmm. how do you play a part in raising up these children to uh, the way that they should go? So, so here's the key to college ministry. Um, <clears throat> we were talking about this before the podcast, 80% of kids, 76%, 80% of um, our, our youth lose their faith in college. They just walk away from it. Yep. And so the purpose of college ministry is number one, to salvage the investment of the church into those kids. So they did a great job raising them up. They did a great job, um, you know, getting them through youth ministry, through teaching them all the truth and all these things. Our job is to take that, that somebody has poured into them and to keep it from fizzling out. So we fan into flame the gift of God, so to speak. We are, <clears throat> we are the ambassador who then takes that that student and helps him know that, hey, it's okay that your professor does not believe the way that you do. You still have a support system. So you're the rebarb in the concrete. Yes, we are. I like that. Um, we are. <laughs> the light in the darkness. We, yeah. And so number one, we, we are the, the one who salvages the investment of the church. And then number two. There are plenty of people on a college campus that have no clue about faith. There are plenty of people on a college campus that have never heard that there is a Jesus to believe in. And so you'd be surprised. I mean, you would think that in a, you know, even though America is very secularized, you know, we still call ourselves a Christian society. You'd be surprised at the number of people who've never heard the name of Jesus in America now. You would be surprised at how many people age 25 and younger have never even been inside of a church. Yeah, yeah. So... So we take, you know, those those students that you've raised up and we help them to go and make disciples mm-hmm. of all nations, of all peoples, because we get the unreached peoples of America. And this is really cool, too. On the college campus, you get the unreached people of the world. Right. Yeah. You know, we have a, a huge population of Saudi Arabian students. Man, we can't even put missionaries in Saudi Arabia. But, buddy, we can reach them while they're here and send them home. Right, right man. Let them do missions in reverse where they live there because that's where they're from right. make a difference for the gospel mm. of Jesus. So that's, that's, that's us. That's what we do as college ministers. So and one thing I like about the assemblies of God is the structure of Chi Alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my favorite things yeah. um, about them. Uh, and what is your, um, what is the verse for Chi Alpha? The, yeah. the, what is it? Dina, do you know it? Oh. We are therefore Christ yep. ambassadors. Uh, I don't know. Oh, sorry. You just look like you had it on the tip of your tongue. Oh, no. So 2 Corinthians 5.20. I didn't mean yeah. to ask you a question. Sorry about that. I was um. like, I don't remember. Like, oh, I'm sorry. You know yeah. how you ask somebody something and then your mind goes, pew. Yeah, you just, yeah. You, lo- you were like, 
I don't know. You just look like you're on the. You love the saying it. I was just expecting yeah, so you seg- to say it. Second Corinthians five twenty. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, and so God, we're making His appeal through us. I implore you, on behalf of Christ, to be reconciled to God. Boom. And so we love saying that. I, yeah, I know I, he says it all the time. <laughs> yeah. But that is the point yes. that, of Chi Alpha. Yes. Is that you are Christ's ambassador, so that these people on the college student on the college campus, what is. Uh, EKU 16,000 16, strong right yeah that, almost 17 I think we are 17,000 at this point that you have and probably not spring semester <laughs> well, yeah. you have 4 to 11 students at a time or whatever creed is there they have whatever baptist ministry is there that we are creed is there crew oh crew. is it crew crew oh. yeah yeah you have crew you have yeah BC although creed does sound kind of cool I, 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 I'd go to it I, I, I was thinking the movie and I was like oh, I was thinking I was the like, band remember the band yeah, yeah oh so, yeah, yeah the either band, way either I was way, thinking oh, we're, they're watching movies okay I'm oh, in so, cool. so we're planting little little lampstands right yeah. everywhere on this campus that you know there may be a thousand let's just go there right and I'll, I'll say that as a high number mm-hmm. that we okay we throw a thousand Christians out there but there's a thousand now beacons of light that 16,000 other people can come see. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what Kyle is helping do at the EKU campus and campuses all around the country, um, which is quite awesome. Um, so this will go into the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. So how does um, youth, kids, um, and really college students, because um, in the youth and the kids department, you're at church, so it's really easy to preach the gospel. So, how do you teach the children? Yeah, maybe not in your youth group. <laughs> <laughs> but how 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 is it that we structure the gospel into this um, to where it's not just something I internalize, but it's something that I bring out and mm. I want to share with the world? How how do we do that in an effective manner from a from a college ministry perspective? Mm. Okay, so the question. Um, I just asked the question. Yeah, no, no. The, <laughs> the question I feel like you have to ask first is is what is the um, what is I, I don't want to say what is the goal, but kind of what's the what's the ideal Christian do? If if Jesus is going to make a Christian out of somebody, what do they do with it? Would we not read Matthew twenty eight for that? We would, we would. So we're going to do a couple things as Christians. Jesus says Matthew twenty eight eighteen. It's the Great Commission. It's what we talked about. Jesus came and said to them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus, given to Jesus, yep. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Mm. So what does Jesus tell us here? Number one, he's been given all authority, which is awesome, because if I have all authority, I'm going to screw something up. Right. He has all authority, yeah. though, so I don't have to worry and about I that. And I need to put my trust in him yep. first. Yes, yep. yes. Uh, yes, I have to put my trust in him first. Then it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And when you look at that, the primary verb of that passage is to make disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not go, though that's what everybody loves to talk about. Yep. It is to make disciples. The right. going is a part of the making. Yep. And so we, we go and we make disciples of all nations. And so I was asked this question once, and this has always weighed on my mind. <clears throat> they said, how do you know that a kid is truly saved? How early is too early? If kid comes up to you and says, Pastor Joey, I believe in Jesus. I want to be baptized. How do you know that it's too early for them to say that and believe in Jesus and be baptized? Can you know it's too early? It's a good question. I, I would be, because 
Number one, (laughs) it depends on the child. That's true. I mean, that's 100% true. Because there are some kindergartners who are more mature than some 80 year olds. Yes. Yeah. And and so, I mean, first, I mean, you got to start with the child themselves. Yes. So that's the beginning. Yep. But number two, then you have to determine. Was the information they received the right information? Mm-hmm. I would say would be your second step. Yeah. So you got to you have to determine if if what is in them is the truth. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And then final, I would assume that you would ask them questions to, for them to be able to understand the knowledge they have mm-hmm. on a basis other than so and so told me. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, after yeah. that, I would say then you could identify mm-hmm. where if they're there or not. Yeah. Repentance. Uh huh. Right, so yeah. they they have to understand what true repentance is. Yeah, um, they have to understand what true sin is, mm-hmm. and why we are in the need of a savior. Okay, um, and then they have to understand who Jesus is. Yeah. Okay, and and if they can't tell me why those three things are important, mm-hmm. I would say that they're that's too young. Yeah, okay. um, yeah, I agree. If they can say, listen, I'm I I repented. It means I have. I have put my trust in Christ and I have now re, you know, turned from my sin and I now trust in him to make me righteous instead of having my own righteousness. Mm-hmm. That's check one. If he says that, listen, I know that I am, uh, I know that I've sinned, you know, and I know sin brings me away from God and that um, it separated me from God mm-hmm. and I need to be reconciled with God. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's check two. And that Jesus is king, king of all. And that he is the one who I put my trust in. Mm-hmm. Then you pretty much got the good big old check mark for me. Yep. Because most uh, most adults probably can't tell me those three things right oh, yeah. now. You lost me at reconcile. No, <laughs> <laughs> so let's say a five year old walks up to you and right. says, Pastor Anto, I want to be saved. And you say, Okay, kid. So what do you know about Jesus? Well, I was a sinner and Jesus saved me from my sins. Okay. And so they, they have all this stuff. They've got the truth down. Do we expect a five year old? to go and do this, make disciples of the people around them. I said they probably could do it better than a lot of us could. Yeah, I, I do that. too, because there, they, there would it's, be no fear there. That. It is so simple to them. This is yeah. this is just yeah. cold, hard that. fact. Yep. That. Yep. And you can't tell me anything else. That. Yep. So that's what, I, that's what I came to the conclusion of. If a kid can understand the gospel of Jesus, that he died, that he uh, was buried, he was resurrected, and it's all for a purpose, which is to reconcile you to the kingdom of God, if they can understand that and they they want to go and, and share the love of God with other people to spread the gospel, Jesus Christ to others, I think that they are 100% ready to be saved because they understand the truth and they have the fruit, I believe, of salvation, which is to go and make disciples of others. Another reason I think five-year-olds would kick butt at discipleship <laughs> yeah. is that uh, they, have, they hold this like, um, man, it's, well, we make it too difficult. We do. Uh, like we want to have like 12 step programs yep. and, and we're afraid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And booklets and like, you know, like we have to set up like weird <clears throat> meetings. Like they're just like, Hey, listen, <laughs> yeah. here's, here I is. saw you push your friend and I just want to tell you that that is sin and Jesus can save you from it. <laughs> See, and I love that because how many times in youth ministries, okay. When I say go and you know, who here shares their faith with their friends? And you'd be surprised how many respond with, I don't know enough. Mm-hmm. How do you not know enough? Mm-hmm. Do you know what happened to you? Yes, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Like you don't. And, and that's why I love that 
what you're saying is, is a five-year doesn't know scripture. <laughs> five-year isn't going, well, John three sixteen says, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, at most, okay, I will say there's some out there. I don't, I don't want to be the, but I'm saying they're not going to sh- quote scripture mm-hmm. to share in their faith. They're going to say, I learned this in Sunday school that Jesus loves me and he wants to love you too. Mm-hmm. Why does it have to be? I, w- I took an evangelism class going through seminary mm. and they really drove home that the best way to witness to somebody is just to give your testimony. Mm-hmm. Your testimony is stronger than spouting scripture at somebody. And that's one of the reasons that as we're going through, um, because it's personal, understand that's why I like a lot of things like right now we, we just spent six months in my youth um, going through uh, parts of the catechism and talking about how do we say this truth to the world without using scripture Mm. because a lot of the world is real quick to go shields up battle 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 stations ready shield on armor on when you start throwing scripture at them but if you go to something personal about you on why it is truth to you, and I'm not saying you, I'm not saying throughout the scripture right, to, right, right. to understand that, but I'm saying you reinforce with personal <laughs> testimony mm. that speaks into someone's heart different than if I said the Bible tis, says your sin is this because, whereas you could say the love of Jesus is this because he saved me from this lifestyle. And I'm so much happier because I no longer struggle. I'm no longer in these fights with my addictions, with my mm-hmm. my mom and dad, because I've learned that if I just do what they ask and obey them and honor them, that my life is so much easier. Yes, that's scriptural, <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? So we, we take the catechism and, and of course we do the biblical of, okay, why is this a truth in scripture, you know, where do we see it in scripture? So we, the way I did it was on the whiteboard, I would write up the question, right? And so then we would answer the question personally. I, I, I wouldn't ask him the first scripture right off the base. Okay. What's the answer to the question? For instance, what is sin, right? Okay. What is sin? What's the answer? It's a thing that separates me from yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's anti-God's it, law. It's something that separates me from it's God. The opposite of God's nature. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Show me scripture and verse. So then they have to look up scripture and verse. And then I have two two columns, the church answer and the world answer. So if we're in church, right, we have to back it up with scripture, right? If we're going to say church, we've got to back it up with scripture. So then we write up the scripture, right? I make them read it to me and I say yes or no, because it's not always right. You know what I'm saying? They'll come up with some crazy scriptures on what is said, right? <laughs> but but we, So we get it boiled down and say, okay, that's the church answer, okay? Now... If I'm in the world, you can't use the scripture to tell me this truth. Tell me this truth in your own words. Because that's what the world is going to hear. Because when you start throwing scripture at them at the beginning, now, of course, you always reinforce with scripture. Don't don't get that misunderstood. So I don't want to say that we don't speak scripture. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is to bring down the barriers, if you can make it personal, people hear you. Once they hear you, then you reinforce with scripture. I have an internal conflict <laughs> with that statement. And, and, and I understand. So, I can see you stewing over there. I, yeah. Well, because I've heard both sides yeah. t- 
to the thought process. And I don't necessarily disagree with that point. And I don't necessarily agree with other people's point either. That um, personal testimony is awesome. Right? And I think that it... Uh, and see, I, like, my, my mental thought wants to reverse what, what you said. That I reinforce with personal testimony and I understand that when I like I go to Walmart and I'm somebody's like and I'm presenting the gospel in some sense I understand and I'm like the Bible says this the Bible says that I understand that but I don't know if necessarily my my testimony will change a life but what I do know is is that the word of God changes lives <clears throat> and that's where I see their argument like my word my testimony will never soften a heart but the word of God will soften the heart. Uh, but, but see, and, and I agree with what you're saying. Okay. I'm not saying my testimony will soften the heart. What I'm saying is my testimony will take down your shield because we'll be honest in the world today. When a lot of people start talking scripture, if you watch people's eyes, especially here in the Bible belt, let's be honest. If you start throwing scripture, at somebody, what's the first thing they'll say? Oh, you know, I used to go to church too. Mm-hmm. Or my grandpappy did. Or my grand, yeah, you know, yeah, yes, yes. Guy. So they'll be like, I've heard this my whole life. And yeah. see, they, they immediately put up that wall that defuses anything else you're going to say. Well, then my next answer is, does it hurt you to hear it for the thousand the first time? No, no, I'm, I'm not saying that they'll, they'll listen to you because we're in the South. They're going to listen to you and they, they're not going to necessarily be rude to you. But when you go to somebody and you say, I was where you were. And I'm not there now because, mm-hmm. and I bring my personal, I'm, I diffuse their defenses. Now, that's why I say we reinforce with the scripture because the scripture is going to pierce the heart. I'm not piercing the heart with my testimony. My point is I'm, I'm diffusing their shields mm-hmm. because the world is real quick. They don't want to hear their problems. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just careful because when, I, when we tell people to share the gospel, then the first thing they want to go do is go share their testimony, right? And then like, and then they, but they, and then they don't reinforce the scripture, right? So they're like, well, here's what you know, basically God did for me, and they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> well, that, that's why I said you have to reinforce with the scripture. Right. It's like saying, right? Hey, how do we evangelize? I think I said this in our elders meeting. Well, ninety nine percent of people in the churches today think evangelizing is invite people to church. Invite people to church. That's yeah. not evangelism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, you inv- you evangelize, and then you bring them to church, right? But, so let's go back to the basic premise of what he said, though. What he's doing is he's teaching people to share the gospel in a way where they don't have to memorize. So, like, anybody can share what God has done for them if they don't know, if I haven't memorized anything in here yet, you know, Bible stuff. Because right. when you That's share the scripture, is going to be a lot different than... I, 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 and I get, look, I get it, that. It's the same thing with me. If, I, if I'm talking to somebody to share the scripture, uh, we're going to go a lot more... <laughs> we have a lot more training. How about that? Uh, and, I, and I get that. I'm just... I am weary when because i'm just like this is the right premise right of life and, and, yeah. and i agree i agree that's why i I made it a point to say you have to reinforce with scripture yeah. now you can't just say god did this for me and then walk away now we i mean obviously we we, yeah. we share the gospel all the time and so how often is um let's see how often can i say um it never starts usually with me bringing up scripture right. first, um, ex- except for usually it's them bringing up a topic, mm-hmm. me disagreeing with the topic. And why I disagree with the and topic. Me saying, yeah. well, well, honestly, God, I think God's answer is different than this. Mm-hmm. And then I, 
Tommy uses the word Tommyology. Uh, I, I put a little hunterology on it. Like I paraphrase the Bible um, of why I, I would disagree with this point. And then that's usually how some sort of we've. I mean, we've seen multiple salvations that work because of this. Mm-hmm. They, they a disagreement would happen, and we don't necessarily. John one seventeen says, you know, <laughs> but we are saying the basis of. John one seventeen, whatever that is, I don't even know what that says. But whatever that says is right. So we can take John three sixteen and we can use it in a broad sense, and it still affect the heart. But I don't know if I've ever, in the probably the last five people who've come to Christ, ever shared my testimony, and them come to Christ. You know what I'm saying? So like it's always been through some act of breaking down the Bible, and these people were were against the Bible. So that's why I say that. Yes. So I I think you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm using the testimony to disarm to be able to break down the Bible. No, I get that. You see what I'm saying? But I always have an internal conflict where I'm like, I I know, I know, and and I understand that. Yeah, that's I'm sitting here uh, dancing back and forth. (laughs) I get the point. I get the point, and I'm just like, I I just want to be weary of that point because... right. Well, can, yeah, because people can cherry pick on what you say, and they said, okay, well, you know, Pastor Jerry was on the altar podcast, and he said, and I quote, Scripture's not important. Scripture's not important. All I got to do is tell them what God did for me, and that's it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and also, get mad at me. like, if they don't come to Christ at that particular moment, like, at least you planted a seed. Right. And you can't make somebody that's accept true. Jesus yes. either. And some of our college students get kind of been out of shape about that they were like i talked to them for like 24 yes. hours and they didn't even like you know they didn't even care <laughs> yeah, well. i i, I won't even, even up, talk about you know? i used to beat myself up like that all the time when i first started in youth ministry because i would pour into the kids i would pour into the kids i would pour into the kids and then they would graduate and then i would see them a year later and it's like you're not living a godly life mm-hmm. i failed you you know what I'm saying? And I really beat myself up a lot about that. So I, I when I was younger, I really did. And I started, I had to go to realize that I'm not God. I can't bring anybody to faith, but I can plant a lot of seeds. Well, that's my, <laughs> water, and yeah. I guess that's kind of my thought process. Yeah. I'm like, if yeah. you're going to get mad at me in the first 45 seconds, at least you heard scripture in the first 45 <laughs> seconds. Because <laughs> my testimony isn't going, like, doesn't, I, doesn't, I guess isn't, the word of God so I always want to start with that so if you get mad at me yeah. <laughs> you heard it yeah. so before we do our last 10% um, well we're going to do our I guess our last 10% because we've been doing this forever but uh, um, last 10% is a generous thought of the podcast <laughs> uh, and then I actually have a random question okay um, and it's going to be a little different for each group of people that are here uh, the groups I, of people here. I'm glad you explained the last 10% because I didn't bring my wallet in and I started thinking. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk. Yeah. <laughs> All of our guests and that's time. how we make money on the Ultra Podcast. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Dina always complains that we steal her ideas. So, Dina, you go first with the last 10%. So, the last 10%. So, we've been talking about pouring into kids, youth, college students, you know, and we've talked about using scripture and setting examples. And we've been talking about planting a seed. And this is something I wanted to say anyway, so I'll just say it now. We talk about planting a seed, planting a seed, planting a seed. Well, when you have a, when you're a farmer, and I'm not a very good one, but like if you're a farmer and you have a seed, do you just put it into the ground and go, well, I hope this is, 
going to work out? No. You have to keep tending that seed over and over again. And so when we say planting a seed, you might be the one that's like pouring water onto it, or you might be the one that's like sprinkling the miracle grow, hoping it, you know, becomes like a really cool plant, you know, who will eventually bear fruit. So it takes um, parents reading scripture at home, showing the importance to kids, taking them to Sunday school and classes that are appropriate for them and um, making sure that, you know, you have friends who are uh, also like Bible goers who have kids that hopefully are getting the same experience at home that they can pour into each other as well. And then eventually becoming, you know, hopefully well-rounded adults who, when they get to college, they're already ready to go talk to their friends and people in their classes and be able to, to defend their faith and then eventually go out into the workforce and, you know, find a family and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. Good. Yeah, well, and I think it's too true, too, because you sometimes you are tending to a seed that you don't even know is a seed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. So, and like... To prove your point, I think it was one of you two, I think, was talking about how you guys knew that Sundays were a very important day. It might have been you. I think it was me. Yeah, just that, like, you knew from the way your parents acted that church meant something. That you guys didn't go do a lot whenever, and but you knew that Sundays, that every Sunday that you did this, and you, you picked out clothes, you got them ready, like, this meant something. So as an early age, right, that you knew, hey guys, church is important. And mm-hmm. now as an adult, church isn't important. And this is like my girls, every Sunday, right? We get up, we get ready, we do this, we do that. Lily knows we're on a time schedule. Like, church is important. We're going. <laughs> like, she keeps this house in shape when Jessica's not here. So it's very, like, I think that's very true. And they and they pick up on it quick. Ben, last 10%. Last 10%. Um, so for me, I'm going to steal a story. Uh, how, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine. His name's Matt Kerr. Um, Matt was talking about how when he was a kid, he used to, I believe it was go downstairs, if I'm not mistaken, from his room. Either way, he said he could hear his mom when he was a kid praying for him. Um, and man, she'd be, she was a Pentecostal lady. She'd be calling down the fire, you know, all stuff. And um, he said that just always stuck out to him. And the way he talked about his mom doing that for him, and, and she's passed now, but um, man, he knew that there was something to this faith of hers. I do think that what we do um, is important and every action that we do is important, whether you know that somebody's watching or not. You know, she may or may not have known that anybody could hear her in those moments when she's praying for her kids, but it stood out to her kid to this day. And everything that you do as a Christian is so important because it shows people that number one, you believe in Jesus and number two, that you're going to live for his word. And so in the moment where you are going, hey, nobody's watching. It doesn't matter that I look at this little thing on my phone or I do this little thing here or whatever. It's going to show. Even if no one is around to see you do that thing in the moment, it's going to show later when you walk into your workplace and you snap at the person who um, just aggravated you that day, which I'm guilty of, you know. Um, I've snapped at the person and I've, I've let things affect me and then I go and I take it out on other people so I guess my last 10% for me is if you really want your kids to be Christians or you really want your college students to be Christians or you really want whatever 
Step one, and it's exactly what Dina just said, is to show them how important it is in your own life. Um, Paul said this thing that's really important. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so if you're out there right now and you're like, I can't do that, start with something small. Um, but show them that, that this Jesus thing is important because if it's important to you, it'll, it'll be important to them. And if it's not important to you, you'll see it. Hmm. Jerry, last 10%. Whew, man, I got to follow those two. Yep. All That's right. Tough. Yeah. <laughs> Why did I have to go? No, I was, um, first thing, first and foremost, when you go to church on Sunday, Go hug your your children's pastors, your Amen. volunteers. Yes. <laughs> go Nikki, to Nikki's gonna start punching people in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> go go to your youth pastor and tell him thank you. Go to go to go to your uh, actual pastor and hug him. Yeah, go to your actual pastor. He loves hugs. <laughs> uh, no, I can't say it enough that go. To church expecting your kids to learn something go to church expecting your youth to, to to learn something and go to that with the attitude that you want to ask them a question when they leave so when you pick them up ask them what they learned and don't give a i don't know that because that te- that's teenagers favorite thing because like dina and ben said what they were taught in youth group or children's church, <laughs> they're going to watch to see if you do it. Set yourself up on a path to help them be better people than you were or are. Because I'll be honest, I look at my kids and I pray nightly that they don't do the things I did. I don't want them to grow up to be the man I am. I want them to grow up to be better than I am. And I just think it speaks to <laughs> you guys of how important being the example is for your kids. Ministries in the church are not a babysitting thing. <laughs> it's a place for them to learn. And they're going to learn not only from that, but from you. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I'll piggyback right off that because it is a what my New Year's res- one of my New Year's resolutions is having a reverence for God. Um, you want your children to stop acting like God is a game. You have to stop acting like God is a game. Amen. And um, instead of playing the game, live the life. And I mean, yeah, that is tough. It's <laughs> easier, so easier to so, said than yeah. done. Because there's times I'm like, what am I doing? You know, and yeah, it's just. The point of it is, yes, like Ben said, we all get angry, we all snap, we all do this, we all do that, and I get it, guys, I get it. But what your children need to see is they need to see you repent for you being human right. <laughs> at times. And Pastor Chris, I think, taught this on Father's Day last year, and my dad was at church, and my dad is a rough individual. Um, he doesn't listen to this, so it's fine. If he doesn't, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he is a uh, uh, rough around the edges, I'll say. Um, Pastor Chris talked about apologizing to your children when you do something wrong. And he sent me a text message saying, sorry for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But all I'm saying is, is that like, I I just grew up different. It was the providence of God, I guess. But like the, the basis is, is that 
how do you teach children how to be repentant if dad's never repentant? That's right. If he's you never know, wrong. Yeah. If, if, how do you teach children to be loving if dad's not loving to mom? You know, mom's not loving to dad. And, you know, how do I teach them about Christ's love if the daggone representation of what Christ's love to the church is is how the marriage of a husband and a wife is? And we butcher that. I mean, that is what, I mean, the normal day culture has destroyed marriage and um, the decline in the families, the decline of the nuclear family. Um, and so the decline of children have been ever since the decline of the nuclear family. Uh, that'll get you canceled right there. And the point is, is that you have, like, it starts with you guys. People, you, and Jerry said this too, you, we take our kids to church and expect them to get, okay, get your Bible out in now because you're not going to get it in at home. You said that too, Dina. And um, yeah, it starts here. It starts, yeah, I mean, from birth. Pray over your children. Lily prays to, to what understand does she understand? I don't know. But um, I used to do the prayer of, uh, Thanking everybody in the thanking God for everybody in the family, which we still do, which is good because I think thing, teaching Thanksgiving is one thing that we don't do enough. But I've started turning it into thinking, really thanking her for the Son in the cross. I had I taught her what the cross was about and I taught her that Jesus died and yeah, like actual death and then rose again. Like so, like the point of it is, is that our prayers are now more Christ centered instead of just those mamby pamby yeah I, I want to thank them from mamma and Peppo and that, like and those are things are fine but teach them a, teach them substance because right now they're sponges and they'll learn everything right and we do it with a lesson and we do it with this and we so all I'm saying is is that man your time is short you got you know that right you look around your children are growing out of the mm-hmm. house. I'll turn around. Lily's four going on 37. And, <laughs> but time is fast. And you don't have much time. And you just bathe it in prayer. So we did talk about our Bible reading already and our kind of our opening. Uh, Job is the, the middle part of Job. I know it, it, if you're reading it with us, you're like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> because it gets, it, gets, it gets rough and tough. And it, like my wife's like, she's like, we read like the four chapters. And she's like, I don't know if I got anything from that. <laughs> because the biggest thing I, like, like we get is the heading. Mm-hmm. Job is mad at his friends. Okay, got it. <laughs> or Job is responding, like, because you read them and you're like, what is he saying here? It's more fun if you read it with an English accent mm. or a pirate accent. Ooh, pirate accent. Could download the Jesus book. That's, oh, that yeah. would be a good one. So, yeah. so all, all it is right now is just keep in mind, Job is having a conversation, a very a, an intense moment of Christian fellowship with his so-called <laughs> friends. And they're, they're basically talk, talking about philosophy of how they think God runs the universe. Mm-hmm. And they're bickering back and forth. They're saying, Job, obviously you've done something wrong because God doesn't do this to righteous people. Yep. And Job's like, I didn't do it. So obviously <laughs> God is not what we think he is. It's where it's getting to, right? Yeah. And I, th- I think that's actually what we read today. Hmm. Um, and that is uh, the, the 11th that they were recording this. <clears throat> so it is just... We see that in that turmoil, that internal nature. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Ben? Yeah. So they've obviously been taught a philosophy that God rewards the righteous and he punishes the wicked. Um, I will tell you a couple things. I've been listening to a sermon series on Job because I was really curious as to how you teach this. And one of the things that I did like was that he talked about 
what did Job's friends do right? Because we always like, we're really hard on Job's friends. He said, you know what one of the things they did right was, was that they sat with Job for seven days, day and night, and they just listened. Mm -hmm. They got together ahead of time and they're like, hey, we need to go comfort Job. He's in a bad spot. Let's go be with him. So they do, which is unheard of. Like, I'm not going to sit with somebody who's scraping their boils in an ash pit for seven days and nights. I'm just not going to do it. Infections. But they do. do. That's pre-COVID. Yeah. That's that's definitely pre-COVID. But they do, you know, so that's one thing. Um, But yeah, now they're to the point where they are openly being like, Job, you're stupid. You know you've sinned. You had to have. You were haughty. Like, when people were poor, you were like, you had to have been doing something wrong. And like, you know, anyway, that's kind of where you're getting at. And so what we're doing, and and I've gotten a lot out out of Job's friends, actually, because I can't tell you how many times, like, I don't think I've necessarily counseled people wrong, but I've opened my mouth and spoke to people when I didn't need to. Right. And that's what I've been getting out of the last 30 chapters of Job is sometimes you just need to be quiet and just be there for people. And that is not what his friends do. And so anyway, that's where I'm getting at is I at least see kind of a counterexample, and I see things in scripture um, that I didn't realize are still kind of scriptural mm. in his friends. Right. But they just, their application of it is terribly wrong. Well, it's like half truths. Yeah. It's like... And I don't think that they are necessarily like... Doing it on purpose. Doing it on, Yeah. I think they just they, they just have some misconceptions. And Job is going to... The book of Job helps us realize that we have misconceptions. And that's another reason why, again, the Word of God is important. Right. So, Ben, you know what time it is? Hunter's random question. So... I think that's the sound. I can't ever remember. Yeah, that is the sound. Uh, yeah. Whatever. You say that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I have um, a, a question for the group of each of us, and it's kind of, it goes along with what we've talked about, but I want to turn it to you um, as if you were going to build a church with unlimited funds. Mm. Um, and so, Jerry, you're going to take youth, you're going to take college, and I'll take probably children um, or young adults. I don't know yet. Whatever one I want because <laughs> it's my question. Um so Ben and Dina, we'll start with you two. Um, if you guys were, what's to say this? If you guys were college age, this might be more helpful. If you guys were college age, what would you look, what would you look for in a college ministry that you would attend? Now, knowing everything you know now, put it back into your uh, college age self, and what would you look for in a college ministry? He was like, I got, I, I got it. <laughs> you go for it. Like, this is this thing called Chi Alpha. <laughs> well, yeah. So, and that I could go on forever about that. But yeah, I would be looking for. Um, I wouldn't necessarily want to be with the biggest group, personally, just because that's not my jam. I would look for uh, a group that they actually teach the Bible, have good small groups. And people who, when they hang out outside of the main group or small group, they are still Christians. Mm. Yeah. Truth right there. Because I've hung out with the people that have been, and, and when I was in college, I hung out with the people who pretended to be Christians so that they could attend small groups so they could, you know, find a husband or, you know, a wife. 
Don't call me out like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's some toes but, stepping on today. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know how many times I was made fun of for um, being the goody two shoes of the group, and eventually that gets really annoying and depressing. Mm-hmm. But I would be looking for. I would. Now, with the knowledge that I know now, I would be like, whatever, forget you all, and go find that group of people who have the same beliefs and morals that I do. By the way, if you're the goody two-shoes out there and you're listening to this and you're going, man, I feel that. And nobody around me lives the kind of life that I do. Find new friends. Yep. And keeping the goody two-shoes with them because guess what? God puts you there to be a good example of your life to others who are not living it. Goody two shoes of the world unite. <laughs> well, I, 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 remember, I just high-fived you. I remember as a teenager, right, we would come around and it would always be known that Ben and Dina, like we had to pull certain cards out of the deck of, of whatever game we were playing because Ben and Dina's coming over, right? It was like they were this stance of holiness. Like, and I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not, like, I'm not joking. Like, it was just like we knew, like, I mean, we, they already pulled out anyway. But like we had to, we just made, they searched the deck. I'm not kidding with you guys. They searched the deck knowing like, and so like, but you know what they don't do? They don't do that anymore <laughs> because I hang out with the same group of people and they don't do that anymore. You know why? Because those cards are already pulled out. So like new games they buy, they already do that. So it's like, so, so, so this level of goody two shoesness <laughs> that I think almost convicted them in some sense because it's like. They did it on their own, on their own court, and we don't even play games that much anymore mm-hmm. with, with us as a group anymore. You see what I'm saying? So, like, I think it does, and I have this in our three-year plan for Monday's meeting, that mm. discipleship starts with holy living, mm. and holy living is contagious. Yeah. So we That's see good. what holy living is, and it becomes contagious. Because as me, as like a 15-year-old at the time, I thought it was dumb. Like, yeah. I was like, let's just be real. And I didn't have the standard biblical knowledge or anything like that. That I have now, like now, mm-hmm. where I don't want to like be disrespectful to God. Like I just didn't really care that much. Yeah. Thought I did, mm-hmm. but I didn't. And so it's just like now I'm like, yeah, they had it right. You know that we don't want to sit here in a time of fellowship and and talk about this crap. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say thank you all for being those people. I appreciate because you. those people make the friend group become more like Christ. Appreciate it. So well, now I feel a little guilty about what I said. If I knew for <laughs> well, and, well, here's the thing too: if if they're if they're bashing you over over and over and over, yeah, find a new friend group because you need you don't need, always need to be that people mm-hmm. all the time. You, you don't need, need to take that every single time. You yeah. need to you be, need to be fed as right. well. You need to be the people. You need people that you can lean on as well, and not be the person that weighs everything on your shoulders. Yeah. Stay in the original friend group, but go also find you another one. Right. There you go. Yeah. So. Um, I would say for me, uh, another thing that, that I would look for when I was in, uh, when I was in school, when I was a student, um, 40 years old, <laughs> Hey, sir, I'm not even 40 years old. Um, when I was a student, one of the things that, that really, that helped me more than anything was I did life with my friend group, but I also did life with my pastors a lot of times. Right. And I had like that, that access, you know? And so I remember, um, Ken Southgate was one of my pastors. Uh, he was, man, just awesome man of God to this day. And his door was always open at his office. And so you'd come in, and it didn't matter. He's working on a sermon. You just come in. You sit down on one of the couches that's in his office. You grab a guitar. You play it. You talk to him. You do whatever. And one of the things that stuck out to me so strongly was 
you know, we talked about everything. It wasn't one of those things where you felt the, what I call the pastoral divide, you know, mm. where it's like, Hey, they're, they're on this platform and I'm down here and I don't go in between there. Um, we just hung out. And so I can't tell you how many times he corrected me, um, on stupid stuff, stupid theology, stupid things that I had in my head. Um, you know, he, he helped me like he was the one who taught me about, you know, being careful when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you know, you're oh, more likely to fall into that. sin. You know, there's all this stuff that he taught me and it was all because I was hanging out. Like he taught me the halt thing about hungry, angry, lonely, or tired when we were doing dishes one day. <laughs> um, you know, like I sat down in his office one time and I remember talking about, um, Catholicism actually. And I was like, yeah, Catholicism, they're so stupid. They got all this weird crap that they believe and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And Ken, like, he called me out on it, and he's like, listen, there are people in the Catholic faith who are your brothers and sisters who believe in Jesus wholeheartedly. And yes, do we as Protestants see Catholic theology as bad? Yes, he said, however, he said, not all Catholics are, you know, not Christians for one thing, and which I thought there were Catholic Christians, but, you know, he really helped me see that it doesn't matter what denominational line you draw. It doesn't matter. I mean, there are theological lines that you have to draw in the right, sand. Right. However, he was instrumental in me going, you know what? The Calvinist is my brother and the, the Catholic is my brother. And the, what? you know, the, the Presbyterian <laughs> is my brother, even though they may have some cracked out theology at times, right. according to what I believe. Um, you know, and so anyway, um, yeah, just the, the, the one-on-one kind of, the mentorship that I got is, was invaluable. Um, he was the one who saw something in me and had me go lead a Bible study. And there was me and like two other people, you know, and I learned how to lead a Bible study with me and two other people. Actually, I think it was me and Eric Muncy. And we started, I, my, the, the, one of the, the ones that I remember uh, most was you're dead. So live like it. Like we talked about how, you know, like, um, you're dead to your trespasses since Hunter. I'm sure you would love this. Amen. One. And, and that you are, you know, you, you are now clothed with Christ as a believer. And so you put on Christ and you put off the old self. And anyway, um, it was just one of those things that he, he mentored me and then he saw potential in me and then he believed in me. And then he put me in a position of, you know, leadership. And without all of that, like I wouldn't be where I am today. And so how would I build a ministry knowing what I know? I'd look for um, people who are interested in pouring into me, who will, who will one-on-one mentor me, who will lead small groups and be devoted to Jesus and be devoted to the Bible and all those things, who will take me on mission trips and, and um, make me do hard things. And at the same time, who will have enough sense um, to correct me when I'm wrong. Um, I'm sure there's some other stuff too, but that's what comes to mind. So the question, you don't have to answer them. It could be yes or no. Because you run college ministry. Have you set the culture Mm. for those things? Try to. And try to is all you can do. Yeah. I'll tell you the thing that you said if money was no option. The one thing that really is hard is that we both work full-time jobs mm-hmm. on top of college ministry. You're not as available as Ken was because he was paid to be there. Right. Right. That was his job. And it was awesome. I only met, known that man for a year, but he was awesome. Yeah. So. Yep. So. Jerry, if he was back into the teenage years, the that's, prime. That's, that's, that's a bad way to start because I don't think I would be looking at 
good thing. <laughs> so let's, let's go. Let's go to boy girl ratio. Let's go to the gym. Let's go to you know. Like I'm sorry. No, so I'm if, honest with myself. If you know what you knew now, if it's put Jerry's brain now into because he's still a child. <laughs> uh, but I'm 12. Thank you. <laughs> inside the teenage uh, Jerry, and he was looking for a youth group to attend to. What would that look like? I think first. Uh, I would look at who's leading it. I have a bias, if you will, or a disdain for youth ministries as a whole is a stepping stone to a lot of ministers, to a lot of, they want to be a head pastor. They feel like they're called Mm -hmm. to being a head pastor. So they get involved in a church to be a youth pastor just to stay there for a couple years and move on. Now I'm not dissing anyone who that was your route. Okay, but I would look for a leader. This is your passion. This is truly what you want to do. Because those people want to pour into that age group. Mm -hmm. They're not looking for the next step. They're looking for you as an individual, and that's what you're going to pour into. Uh, That's the first thing. Uh, The second thing, well, with that leader, I also want somebody who is in the Scripture themselves, who knows the Scripture, who has already lived life to an extent that they could speak into you. Um, once again, not dissing anybody, but an 18, 19 year old youth pastor, you know, if I was in high school, it's hard to look at that person as uh, someone of authority. I'd look at more of them like a peer and it, you know, looking back, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, I'm, I'm not downing anybody's path or if that's you, then, you know, God has a plan for you, and I, you know, that's it. But I'm looking for my ideal situation if I was back in my 13, 14 year old body. Um, and I had my mindset today, so I'm looking into somebody who could pour into me and who I, I would look at as someone in a seat of authority, not a peer, um, and who really wants to pour into. Uh, also, on top of that, I'm also looking for a youth group that is designed, that is a that is encouraged to help one another live life a safe place where I can give my problems, not be made fun of, not be, uh, ridiculed, but instead be encouraged. If I have a problem, if I'm struggling in a, in a, uh, area of my life, I would love to look at a group dynamic where I could speak into that and have my peers encourage me and not tear me down a safe space, if you will. Um, those two things are, I think are like top on my list. You know what I'm saying? A, a good pastor who, you know, really wants to pour into you and really want to be accessible to you. And I, and I say that, and I don't think I'm as accessible as I would like to do to be, but you know, like kind of what Ben says, I work a full-time job, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, I work a full-time job on top of, and I would love to just be full-time ministry and I have all these admirations and ideas for man you know if i was just full-time staff i would do this and i would do that and i would do this but um ideally though if i just want to look at who's leading it the pastor in charge and then the group dynamic that he creates i think those are two super important things for youth ministries especially today yeah so ben flip the table on me i don't know which way i'm going so you just yeah. randomize it so Hunter, random question so Ben's random question. So, Hunter, if you were going to build the perfect church, no, money is no option. You're 
leading ministry in whatever capacity that comes to mind, what would you look for? So I'll take the young adult route. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I I would want a group of singles mm-hmm. and a group of young married people um, because as a person who is young and married now, um, I would li- I like people who know and, and with small children who know the difficulties <coughs> that come with that. Um, you know, I I don't get to hang out with a lot of the people in our church who have young children because we have young children, <laughs> and that they it definitely makes it more difficult. Um, it's easier for like you get like all of you all your children's grown or don't have children, so you can come over here while my children sleep. Well, if they have small children, they their kids are in bed too. But um, so I, I'd like to see that range of uh, a demographic. Um, I'd want a young adult pastor, a young adult group leader um, who values scripture, values the Bible. Um, doesn't necessarily, if I agree with him on everything, but it's like we want we want to spend time not gossiping about the church. That's mm-hmm. big in young adult circles. Um, not, you know, thinking what we could see better in the church, but I just truly wanting to get down to the nitty gritty of the word, um, growing closer in Christ you know, leave the secondary doctrines aside and getting to know Christ a little bit better. Um, and then um, actually see those young adults interact in the worship service. Um, see them doing things in church, on the worship team, ushering, greeting, um, serving as pastors. I know Jerry didn't want that, but <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, but uh, um, like, I, I like that. I, it shows me that your church is alive yep. and that there is a place for me as somebody who is active in our church at a young age, that there is a place for me there. Um, and I can, I, because I feel my giftings are um, been made clear that I can help serve in some sort of capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that, that kind of regard, that's my big things. Um, yeah. It's good. It's good. So Jerry, Thanks for being with us, man. Yeah, buddy. I really appreciate you guys having me on. I have enjoyed myself very much. This is always a blast. You'll have to come back. I, I will uh, accept that anytime you guys offer. I am a big component of talking. So if you <laughs> you need somebody to fill some time on the on the airs, you just Jerry, come talk about nothing. And I know you work from home on Fridays, so Thursday nights aren't too bad for you. No, oh, they're buddy. not too bad. They're not too bad. Of course, I say that now. Um, come. Come five thirty, uh, I might have a different uh, <laughs> yeah, thought yeah. process. However, I feel bad for you. However, however, you know, I would I would happily sacrifice a little sleep to uh, be able to speak scripture and theology and especially get stuff. He reminded me of other strong believers. Titanic scene when he walks in and Jack's like, "To dine with you, fine people." (laughs) (laughs) So, but uh, thanks for being here, Jerry. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I hope that you can take something from this podcast. If you're a minister or if you're a parent or if you're a youth leader or something, or just a church member who, who is like, listen, I think we need to revamp one of our, one of our elements of our church services here. Uh, college missionary, something. I hope that you can take something from this podcast and apply it to make the next generation stronger and more awesome. Yep. With that, we'll catch you next time.
Thank you for listening to The Altered Podcast. Join us next week for a brand new episode. If you want to hear more about The Altered Podcast, check out our Facebook, Instagram page for updates and other cool content. See you next week.